We are grateful for the opportunity to be together this evening, and we're thankful for the songs that we've been privileged to sing together, the opportunity to not only sing, but to pray and to study from His Word. This is the last Sunday of 2019, hard to believe. Time gets away so quickly, and it seems, as if, it seems to me that the older you get, the quicker time goes. I know that time is the same for everyone, but for whatever reason, the older you get, it seems to accelerate. And so we're glad to have the opportunity to be together tonight. I want to talk for a little bit tonight about 2020 vision. And we're going to be thinking about that in a moment or two, 2020 vision. I do want to just take this opportunity to say, if you are visiting, please come back. We are grateful that you are here today, tonight. We had many visitors this morning, and we're always grateful to have visitors with us. We want you to feel welcome, and if you are looking for a church home, please consider the work here. We would love to have you as a part of our church family. I said a moment ago, we're going to be talking tonight about 2020 vision, and I like the, I like the picture that it's on the screen tonight, a picture of a pair of glasses. Without glasses or contacts, I can't see very far. I thought about bringing a pair of glasses tonight and putting them on and saying that without them, I'd be blind. There's a lot to be said for having 20-20 vision, isn't there? And as I think about the new year, embarking on the new year, we want to spiritually have the right kind of vision so that 2020 can be a great success. And what I want to do tonight is to offer all of us what I believe to be 10, 10 things that could impact 2020. I am not trying to reinvent the wheel here. Many of the things that we're going to talk about, you are well acquainted with, you know them, but I want to just reiterate maybe some old truths because as I Think about the new year and all the, all the great opportunities that stand before us. I'm reminded of the fact that many of us, we're thinking about what are we going to do in the new year? What life-changing things are we going to make a part of our life? We call them New Year's resolutions. Sadly, many folks, they start strong, but they falter with time. And I think many of us, in our heart of hearts, we have, we have a genuine desire to see our resolutions through. What I want to encourage you tonight, take these 10 points. Make them a part of the new year. I can say this, and I can, I can make you this promise. If you will take these points, internalize them into your life, it'll make you a better person. It'll help you in the new year. So I want to begin tonight by first and foremost, as we think about 2020 vision and what can we do to make 2020 a great year in our lives. I want to begin by first of all suggesting that we need to make daily Bible study a part of our life. I can't overemphasize the importance of studying God's Word. You think about what the psalmist said in Psalm 119 many, many years ago. He said, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. 
God's Word gives direction to our lives, doesn't it? It is our spiritual GPS. Without it, we are lost. We're in a fog, so to speak. We are groping in darkness. God's Word brings clarity to life, doesn't it? It helps us to understand what life's all about. It helps us to focus on things that are important. In many ways, it helps to crystallize what is essential to our life or to life itself. And so, spending time in God's Word every day. Now, I know that many of us, many of you, probably have a Bible that you use and you try to go through the Bible over the course of a year. That's good. But I want to encourage you to dig deeper than just reading a chapter or maybe three or four chapters a day. If you want to be a really good Bible student, then you've got to be like the psalmist of old who said he meditated in the law of the Lord and he did that day and night. What I would encourage you to do would be maybe pick out one of the gospel narratives and spend a period of time in the new year studying that book. It might be that you want to look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and compare them and note the supplemental information. But spend this next year investing in the gospel narratives. Or maybe pick out one of the epistles. Or you might want to pick out the prison epistles and spend three or four months studying those books in the Bible. And I think that in so doing, it's going to bring a lot of riches to your spiritual life. When you look at what the psalmist said in Psalm 119, I mentioned a moment ago, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. In Psalm 119, the psalmist said, Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. So, to spend time in the Word of God. Now, one of the things that we talked about last week, we're going to have 52 verses over the next year. Every week, we're going to have a new verse. And the challenge is to take that verse, commit it to memory, make it a part of you. 52 verses is not a lot over the course of the year, is it? I want to encourage you to buy in to this challenge. To invest over the next 52 weeks studying and memorizing what I believe to be just fundamental verses in Scripture. So that when somebody asks you a question, whether it be about the church or the Lord's Supper, it might be about what to do to become a child of God, you have those verses available. And it might be that you want to take these 52 verses and spend the course of the next year studying those verses and looking at them in their context. That would help you. And you know, Peter said, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There's a correlation between Bible study and strong faith, isn't there? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So the deeper you study, the more frequently you study, the greater your knowledge will be and your faith will increase. Now, second thing. First, we need to study Scripture daily. 
But secondly, I want to encourage you to pray daily. Now, for a lot of people, prayer is a last resort in an emergency. But for those of us who are members of the body of Christ, prayer ought to be a daily part of life. We ought to spend time in prayer. I would encourage you, I mentioned a moment ago, studying Scripture. It might be that every morning when you wake up, you reflect upon a verse or two. And then begin your day with prayer. You know, Jesus said in Luke 18, 1, that men ought to always pray and not to faint or not to grow weary or discouraged. You think about all the blessings and favors that you enjoy in life. The fact that you have, that you have awakened to a new day of life, to give God thanks for that new day of life but to pray, to begin your day with prayer, to ask God to bless you, to strengthen you, to give you opportunities to share His Word with other people. Paul, in writing to the church at Colossae, said, Continue steadfastly in prayer, watching therein with thanksgiving. Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer. If Jesus, the Son of God, spent a great amount of time in prayer, then what does that say to us? You remember in Mark chapter 1, the Bible says Jesus arose early one morning, went out to a solitary place, and there prayed. Before he selected the apostles, and I think about when we make decisions in life, over the next year, you're going to be making some decisions that some of those decisions might be impactful in your life and the life of those that you love and care about. It might be that you're making some transitions in your life, and so you need to pray. So before Jesus selected the 12 apostles, the Bible says in Luke chapter 6 and verse 12, He spent the night in prayer to God. So pray. Spend time in prayer to God. Pray. Let me encourage you to pray for your family members, and they need it. Pray for your children. If you have grandchildren, pray for them. Pray for your spouse. Pray for the church. Pray for our elders. Pray that, that we as a congregation will be everything that we ought to be in this coming year. Pray for our young people here. I think about some of the battles that they face in this life and the temptations and the things that come before them every day. Pray that they'll have the strength and resilience to say no to temptation, to do the right thing, to be the kind of people that God would be pleased with. And as you pray, ask God to help you be that light in a darkened world of sin. You know, Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The third thing I want to share with you, and this is not something that really those of us who are here tonight really need because we're here. And in reality, this third, this third point would probably be better suited for a lot of folks on Sunday morning the Sunday morning crowd. But I think about the importance of being present for Bible study and worship regularly. By way of application, what I would encourage us to do, because we're here all the time, 
What I would encourage us to do is to look out among us and think about people that sit around you on Sunday morning that aren't back on Sunday night or Wednesday night. And maybe send them a note, send them a card, text them, and say, you know what, 2020 is about, is about to become a reality. Why not make 2020 a year that you focus on worship and corporate Bible study? Let me tell you what, if we had everybody here every Sunday morning that is a part of this church, and then if we had them back Sunday night, you'd be amazed at what would happen here. You really would. We could do a lot more than we're doing right now. There is strength in numbers, isn't there? Now I think about, I think about, Numerical growth, but spiritual growth. And by the way, spiritual growth leads to numerical growth. And so what we've got to do is to encourage spiritual growth among our members. Worship is a blessing because we have the opportunity to enter into the presence of Almighty God. You know, the psalmist said, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. We are in the presence of God tonight. Have you thought about that? I mean, we are in the presence of one another, people of like faith. But God is in our presence. That's special. As God said to Moses in the long ago, Moses, remove your sandals. For the ground Whereon your standing is holy ground. This is holy ground tonight because of the presence of God. There's a fourth thing I would share with you, and I think this is really important. Many of us struggle, spiritually speaking, with forgiveness. Two things I want to share tonight. Number one in 2020, learn to forgive yourself. We have a lot of folks that constantly beat themselves up over their past. I get it. When, when we look back over, over life and we think about maybe some of the things that we've done that we're ashamed of today, and we think about things that we have said, places maybe we have gone, Decisions that we have made that were not spiritual in nature. And we're ashamed of our past. And we ask God to forgive us sometimes for the same thing over and over again, don't we? As if God hasn't forgiven us when we ask Him the first time. And I would encourage you to take your Bible... And I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 8 tonight. And I want to ask you to do a favor for me. In Hebrews chapter 8 verse 12, if you don't have this verse underlined in your Bible, I want to encourage you to underline it in your Bible. Now I know that there are some folks that don't like to write in their Bible. Well, let me encourage you It's a tool, and it will help you if you will use a pen, a highlight, whatever, 
It will help you in your study. I wouldn't take anything for the things that I've got in my Bible. I really wouldn't. I mean, it becomes a treasure. I, I lost a Bible one time, and I said, I'd give a $100 bill right now to get it back. And I meant that. But listen to what the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and their lawless deeds or their iniquities I will remember no more. Whatever your past, when you were baptized into Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus washed away, listen to me please, all of your sins. Now it might be the case that once you have become a child of God, you have said and done things that you're not proud of. Maybe you have engaged in behavior that's unbecoming of a Christian. You've asked God to forgive you for that. But you continue to bear that on your shoulders like a burden. Look, if you've asked God to forgive you of that, let it go. Let it go. John wrote in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, unto him us and washed us. Some translations say he loosed us from our sins. Think about unhooking a wagon. Or think about your sins that have been tied to you have now been with them anymore. And do you remember what John said in 1 John 1 verse 9? John is writing to Christians. He said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we say God is faithful, what do we mean by that? Can we trust God to honor His Word, to honor His promises? The answer is yes. So number one, forgive yourself. And then number two, forgive others. Be willing to forgive other people. We are imperfect people. We interact with imperfect people. And there are going to be times when we get crossways with one another. There are going to be times when possibly somebody's going to say something, they're going to do something. They're going to violate our space. They're going to sin against us, as Jesus talked about in Luke 18. If somebody sins against you, Jesus said you go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Now look, if that person says, I'm sorry, forgive them. Listen to Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Turn to Ephesians 4, verse 32. Listen to what Paul said with regard to forgiving other people. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. The bottom line is God has forgiven us. And who are we to withhold our forgiveness from other people? As a matter of fact, our forgiveness from God is contingent on our willingness to forgive other people. So forgive. Be willing to forgive. And you know what? There are a lot of people that over the course of 2019 have borne a lot 
of baggage because they have refused to reconcile with somebody. Reconcile. Make it right. Do the right thing. That's what being a Christian is all about. Doing the right thing. Let me share with you another another tip for the new year. Find joy in serving other people. Find joy in serving other people. I'm convinced that one of the ways to take our minds off of some of the problems and difficulties that we face in life on a daily basis is to get busy and serve other people. Lose yourself in serving others. Look at Jesus. When Jesus came to earth, what was He about? Serving other people, wasn't He? Didn't He say the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for the many? Jesus came to serve the human family. In in Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says He took the form, listen to Him, of a servant. In Matthew 25, Jesus talks about those who are sick and thirsty without adequate clothing. They don't have housing. They're sick and in prison. And do you know what Jesus said? He said, those who were sick, you visited them. Those who were hungry, you fed them. Those who were thirsty, you gave them something to drink. Let the work of the church become a labor of love. The Hebrew writer speaks in Hebrews chapter 6 of those who were involved in that labor of love. I promise you over the course of 2020, there will be, there will be opportunities for you to serve other people. Don't serve the Lord grudgingly. Don't make it a have-to thing. I think about the words of the psalmist in Psalm 100 verse 2, when the psalmist said, serve the Lord with gladness. Be grateful to be a child of God and be thankful that God can use you as a vehicle to serve in His kingdom. In Titus chapter 2, Paul talks about how Jesus Christ gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity. And then he went on to say that we are to be zealous for good works. To have zeal in serving the Lord. To, as Paul would say, be ready unto every good work. Get lost in serving other people. Let me share with you another, I think, important principle for the new year. Something that, sadly, many of us struggle with. It's called worry. What I want to encourage you to do over 2020 Do not worry. Now look, that's easier said than done, isn't it? Anybody here a chronic worrier? A lot of folks worry. You know, Jesus asked in Matthew chapter 6, why do you worry? You have your reasons for worrying. I have my reasons for worrying. Jared has his reasons for worrying. We all do, don't we? And I doubt Jared worries very much about anything, just to be honest. Every time I talk to him, life is good. But but we do struggle with worry. And I want to encourage you, look at Matthew chapter 6. I want you to do me another favor. Look at Matthew chapter 6 tonight. 
In Matthew chapter 6, listen if you would to what, what Jesus said. Verse 25, listen to Jesus. Underline it if you can. If you've got a pen or a pencil. Verse 25, do not worry. Drop down, look at verse 31. Do not worry. Look at verse 34. Do not worry. Three times in this context, Jesus said, do not worry. Do you take advice well? Do you believe that what the Lord has to say, do you think it'll profit you, benefit you? Jesus said, don't worry. Now, let me add something to this. I think one of the reasons we worry is because sometimes rather than being, being an optimist, we are a pessimist. The sky's falling. The world's tumbling in. Things couldn't be any worse. With regard to our own personal situation in life, sometimes rather than seeing the positive, what do we do? We see the negative, don't we? Rather than seeing the glass half full, we see it half empty. Sometimes it's all about perspective, isn't it? And so you think about the amount of time that you have spent, say over the course of 2019, worrying. I'm not saying that you haven't had problems and difficulties and trials over the course of this year. In no way would I, would I say that. I'm not saying that you haven't had some tough times. We all have. But what I'm trying to encourage you to do is let go of worry. Please, it will eat you up. It really will. Look at Philippians chapter 4. Paul said, In nothing be anxious. In other words, don't worry. But in everything, with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I want to encourage you to take your worries and turn them over to the Lord. Can you do that? Do you remember what Peter said? Casting all your care on Him. And worry is a care in life, isn't it? The cares of life sometimes weigh us down. Peter said, casting all your cares on Him. Why? Because He cares for you. And so, put it in God's court. I can tell you this, He's big enough to handle it. He is powerful enough to handle it. He's mighty enough to handle it. And if you'll give it to God, then His peace will reign and rule in your life. So, 2020, don't worry. Let me give you another tip for the new year. This is one that I really think we all need. Laugh often. You like to laugh? I love to laugh. I really do. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 25, or rather Proverbs chapter 17, a merry heart does good like medicine. What Solomon is saying is simply this. He's saying that laughter has medicinal purposes. Now, there are a lot of folks in our world today 
they need, they need to lighten up, don't they? You know, we talk about stress and worry and cares and all these different, different things in life. Learn to laugh. Sometimes it means laughing at yourself. You ever make blunders in life and you want, what in the world was I thinking? Well, laugh about it. I'm not saying when you make major mistakes, but I'm saying, you know, there are times when we need to lighten up, loosen up, and laugh a little bit. One, one of the, I think, treasures on television is the Andy Griffith Show. If you haven't met Barney Fife, you need to. And if you don't know Barney, I promise you, if you will watch him a little bit, you'll learn to laugh. That guy can make anybody laugh. That's just, that's just an example. But learn to laugh. I believe that when you look at Scripture, there's a premium placed on laughter. And then let me give you an eighth possibility for the new year. And that is to learn to be content. How many of us are genuinely content with life as it is right now? Are you there? Can you say, all is well. I'm satisfied with my status in life. I'm, I'm content. I'm happy with where I am. There are a lot of people in our world today, they're never really content, are they? And yet Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, I have learned in whatever state I am, therein, listen to him, to be content. Now look, I don't think contentment is something that we just push a button and automatically it happens. I don't think it works that way. I'm convinced contentment is learned behavior. You've got to learn to be content. That's what Paul said. I have learned in whatever state I'm in, therein to be content. Now Paul would say in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and about verse 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. Are there things in this life materially and physically that can bring satisfaction and joy, even contentment to us to some extent? Sure there are. But if you think that the things of life, if those things are going to make you Fully content and satisfied in life. I've got news for you. Not going to happen. Because the bottom line is, if things make you happy, you're going to have to always have more new things to make you happy. So learn to be content. Number nine, very quickly. Very important. Learn to be kind. Don't we need a kinder, gentler nation today? Don't we need to learn to be, content, learn to be kind? Paul said in, Philippian, or rather in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, listen to him, be ye kind. We need to learn to be, we need to learn to be kind. Kind in our words, kind and gracious in our deeds, and let me tell you, there are a lot of folks, I'm not into social media per se. I understand the value of it. I know that some people, they use it daily. And I'm not saying that it's not a positive thing. It can't be used for good because I know it can. 
But there are a lot of folks that say a lot of hateful things on social media. And there are a lot of folks that they can bully others behind a computer. Well, that doesn't impress me. I doubt it impresses you. Why not be kind? Learn to be kind. When you think about Jesus and all the attributes that He possessed, don't you think that the Lord, one of the things that He demonstrated day in and day out, and we're supposed to be like Christ, aren't we? Don't you think Jesus was kind to people? To learn to be kind to others. One final thought I want to share with you before our time's gone. And these are not in any specific chronological order. I'm not saying that one is more important than the other, but I have saved the last one because I think that it is important to end on, and that is perseverance. I don't know what 2020 holds for any of us. We might be diagnosed with cancer. We might have a loved one diagnosed with cancer or some other debilitating disease. We might lose a family member, a friend, a coworker, a classmate. We might face any number of trials and troubles in the coming year. But whatever we face, we've got to make sure that we persevere, don't we? We've got to have an enduring spirit. In other words, we can't afford to give up and throw our faith away. So learning to persevere in James chapter 1, James talks about the various trials of life. And he said one of the byproducts of trials in life is patience or perseverance. In verse 12, he said, Blessed is the man that endures temptation. For when he has been tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. The idea is that when we face those outward trials in life, Sickness, disease, disability, debilitating situations in life, financial reversals, the loss of a job, the loss of a family member, the list goes on and on. When we face those things, those things may knock us to the mat, but we're not going to stay down, we're going to get up, we're going to dust ourselves off, and we're gonna, we are going to be fortified with a persevering spirit. We're in this thing till the end. As the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 12, we are to run with patience or endurance the race that is set before us. This is not a sprint. It's a marathon. So you think about all the things that you faced in 2019. Think about the things that maybe you faced in 2018 or years past. Life typically doesn't change in the sense that the problems that people have faced in the past, those don't just dissipate and disappear, but they continue to come. I don't know what we'll be faced with in 2020, but come what may, we've got to dig in our heels and say, you know what, we're going to persevere. We're going to ride it out. We will see the storm through, won't we? Be faithful. As Jesus said, be faithful unto death. The promise is the crown of life. So, these are some tips 
that can help all of us in 2020, 2020 vision. We want to see clearly. We want to have a great year. And I believe God can bless us. I believe God will bless us with a great year. Tonight, I want to encourage you. Listen, if you're not a Christian, if you have never obeyed the gospel, don't go into 2020 outside of Christ. Do what you've been needing to do for a long time. You can be baptized tonight in front of this assembly. When we clear out later, you can be baptized. The bottom line is you need to be baptized into Christ so your sins can be washed away so that you can enter into 2020 a child of God. Have the Lord on your side. If you're here tonight, And you are a child of God. You've been baptized into Christ. Your sins were washed away, according to Acts 22, 16. But you have gone back into the world. Or maybe you're struggling with things in life. And you just need the prayers of the church. I had a fellow come up to me after services this morning. Not a member here. And he said, when you said, people can come forward and ask for prayers, he said, Did did you mean that we could really come forward and ask for prayers? And I said, yes. And so he wanted prayer. So we had prayer. If you need prayer tonight, we would be more than happy. One of our elders would be more than happy to pray with you and for you. So if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, or you're a Christian and you need to be back, back in the saddle again, We want to encourage you to come to Christ tonight. Do it tonight as we stand and sing.